Welcome to Fresh Research, a podcast from the Nonprofit Times. We explore some of the most interesting and sometimes provocative findings focused on the world of nonprofits. Thanks for tuning in. Here at the Nonprofit Times, we see tons of great fresh research. So in each episode, we take a recent study or survey and have a conversation with the authors about what they found and why they think it's important for charities. We'll also give away some books and give you access to other valuable information from the Nonprofit Times. You pop into your local grocery store to pick up some essentials after work, and the cashier quickly rings you up. Apparently on a century-old cash register. But then she asks the question, would you like to donate to a local charity? What do you do? Panic because there are three people behind you in the express lane? Do you give? If you do, how much? Or maybe they ask you, would you like to round up your total to donate the difference? So those are some of the scenarios that played out in a recent experiment. Hi, I'm Mark Rivna for the Nonprofit Times. In this episode, we examine Checking Out Charity, a study of point of sale donation campaigns, a paper by Adrian Sudbury and Christian Vossler. Sudbury is a professor at the College of Business and Economics at Longwood University in Farmville, Virginia. Vossler is an economics professor at the Haslam College of Business at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. They asked individuals three different ways to make a donation at checkout, a fixed donation amount, a rounding request, and an open-ended ask. Their paper also looked at how providing a little bit of information about the charity might impact the donation. The authors also attributed some differences in donation rates to what they called loose change effects. That's change that adds up. More than $605 million was raised through point-of-sale fundraising campaigns in 2020. That's according to America's Charity Checkout Champions, a study by Engage for Good. Now, let's find out more about what they found. Here's my conversation with Adrian Sudbury. How did you come up with the idea to do this study? What interested you in uh, the point-of-sale donation campaigns? Well, it was, it was really personal experience with checkout charity. So I remember I was at PetSmart uh, picking up some treats for my dog and at the checkout kiosk, there was a, a donation question. And I noticed that it was slightly different from the donation question I'd gotten, you know, previous that week. And I decided, huh, I wonder, I wonder if them, there's some sort of methodology to the way charities are asking these questions. And, you know, being an economics student, I went and looked it up and I said, wow, well, nobody's really looked at this type of situation. Um, I wonder if there's, you know, some different behavioral aspects going on with the way in which you ask this question. So that that's really where that idea came from. So your study looked at basically different options and, and how they're presented to donors in terms of the solicitation, whether they asked for a specific number to donate or keep it open-ended. Uh, what, what did you find in that way? Yes. So we tested kind of three popular ways to ask the solicitation. We looked at a rounding request. Um, we looked at just asking for a fixed amount. And then, as you mentioned, the open-ended question. And what we found is that there are some pretty large differences, especially in the donation rate. And so the rounding treatment had the highest participation rate of around 82%. And then the open-ended treatment had around 
participation. So very large differences in the percentage of people who were donating under those treatments. Interestingly, um, on the flip side, if you look at the donation amount, the open-ended treatment actually had the higher uh, donations per donor by about 40 cents. So a, a significant difference. So the average donation was around um, 84 cents in the uh, open-ended treatment um, across everyone. And then it was uh, much lower at around 42 cents under the two kind of closed-ended uh, yes or no question treatments. If, I, if I'm reading the paper correctly, um, the strategy behind that is to not give the donor as many choices to make in order to, to not keep it open-ended, just give them more of a, uh, a yes or no or a, or a um, donation question rather than an open-ended uh, question. Is that right? Yes. So there's, there's pros and cons to each scenario. With the open-ended, you definitely have much lower rates. And um, what we theorize is that there's some sort of cognitive cost going on where people have to decide actually how much to donate under that scenario. And there's, there's a lot of um, different behavioral mechanisms that economists have studied, like social pressure and trying to figure out what, what you're expected to give. And because of that, it can you know, lead to some sort of hesitancy in donating. So you have lower participation. On the flip side, with the fixed request amount and giving people a binary choice, you limit the potential donation. So there, there's pros and cons because if you only ask someone for a dollar, but they were willing to donate $2, then you're missing out on some potential donation there. That's interesting. It's like the, like the ask strings in, a, um, in an online donation form. Those are people, uh, nonprofits think about that quite a bit to, to come up with, you know, how many different gifts, gift numbers to use. And sometimes, uh, I would imagine sometimes it's it's too low or too high, and and that certainly impacts. That's, that's really interesting. Yes, yes, it was definitely it was definitely something new that we learned. And the the, the point of sale donation campaigns are always interesting to me. Just you mentioned the phrase social pressure, which I would imagine you know you're there at the checkout aisle and they ask you if you want to donate. You want to seem like a creep and be like no, but uh, I'm sure that that impacts a lot. Is there? Did you have? Did you find anything in in that way in your study in terms of just social pressure, or is that did that not look at it at all? So we don't really examine social pressure in our study because the people, the participants um, being asked to donate, it was actually on a computer. Um, so you know, while someone was in the room with them, they weren't facing the type of social pressure that you might face um, with a verbal ask from a cashier at a grocery store, um, or potentially with someone standing in line behind you watching you make that decision, right? Um, and so this is where you could see potential differences in you know, an online eBay solicitation versus an in-person grocery store um, solicitation, but we don't actually test for that in this study, but it's definitely something of future research interests. I would definitely like to see an update on that for, for social pressure. Cause I know in my younger years, I would be, I would be at the checkout aisle and I would be just, the anxiety would just shoot up if there are people behind me and they're asking me, uh, the cashier is asking. And I would definitely get rounded up for, for that. Whereas now I'm just like, I've learned and I'm like, nope, not, I, I already know where to give since I've been covering this for so long. I'll, I'll just, you know, do it a different way. And, and I don't think twice about it, but I think that would be a great update. Exactly. I would, I would love to partner with a charity and do a field experiment on that exact scenario, like uh, switching between potentially like a, a verbal ask and a, and a pen, 
pin pad esque, uh, because you could you could definitely see all kinds of things going on there that may or may not have an effect on people's social pressure functions. Yeah, sometimes I get anxious just because I can't find my credit card in time. Never mind then having to decide right there on the spot whether to give money to a charity or not. Exactly, and and this comes back to the open ended where you have to decide how much to give. And then you're, you're feeling people watching you while you're trying to decide how much am I expected to donate if I don't have any sort of suggested amount, right? Hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot to take in there. And imagine if it's like a Monday instead of a Friday, we've got just extra anxiety in general. Yes, that, that could definitely be it as well. Even time of day, like how busy the grocery store is. Cause you know, these donations do take more time um, in the transaction. So, you know, the idea is to have it be a quick impulsive decision for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so keep it simple is probably a very good strategy in that particular case. Exactly. In this experiment, you did partner with a charity, St. Jude's. Uh, is that right? Well, partner partnership might be a strong word. Uh, we right. collected money for St. Jude's, but they ne- weren't necessarily aware of the experiment. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So, but it was an actual experiment where people were were actually donating, or was it just it was all theoretical? Yes. Oh, no, it, right. it was an actual experiment. Um, and we did send the money to St. Jude's um, periodically through the, the data collection process. So that money was actually collected and actually sent off. And we sent St. Jude's a letter that said, you know, where this money was coming from. But that was about the extent of the partnership. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's I mean, St. Jude is definitely a well-known brand and also especially in the, the point of sale donations they're you know all over the place so that probably helped as far as just being um the folks who are involved in the study being aware of of that charity yes and we we did take pretty significant measures to try to ensure that they realized that their donation was real um there's very specific rules on lying to participants and in lab (laughs) settings so we definitely um wanted to make sure that they understood that it was a real donation and that it was going to be sent off. And it's also part of the reason why we chose St. Jude's was we were kind of hoping to get that recognition factor because if people had encountered checkout charity situations with St. Jude's before, this wouldn't be such an alien concept. Adrian Sudbury explains the loose change effect and more right after this. If you like what you're hearing, share it with friends and colleagues on social media. Use the hashtag FreshResearch or retweet the Nonprofit Times link, and you'll be eligible to win a book from the NPT library. Another way for folks to find the show, rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more than 30 years, the Nonprofit Times has been the leading business publication for nonprofit management. To subscribe, visit shopthenonprofittimes.com. You'll also find special issue coverage, relevant research like our salary and benefits report and best nonprofits to work for, plus other special reports and webinars. And keep up with the latest breaking news and in-depth reporting at thenonprofittimes.com. Now back to our discussion about checking out charity with Adrian Sudbury. So donation rates were lowest for the open-ended ask but they have the highest revenue. Yes. There was also in your study, you also found some interesting findings on another aspect of it, of providing information at the point of sale in terms of just, was it a matter of what the money will go to or just a mention of what the charity does? How did that impact those numbers? 
so we did want to test an information effect. Um, we were driven to test this because some of the market research suggested that the top reason people chose not to donate in these situations is that they didn't know enough about the charity. So what we decided to do is because, as we mentioned, this has to be a quick transaction, we said, well, what if there's a one sentence information blurb about St. Jude's in some of those treatments, would that have an effect? And we, we do find very small information effects, um, specifically only in the fixed request treatment. And that's probably because other effects are driving out information effects and between the other treatments. So there is a small positive effect of introducing information. Um, another potential reason that we find such a small effect is that people might already know what St. Jude's does. Um, we did choose a well-known charity. Um, and so part of that is that the information might not have been new information. Okay, interesting. So if they know the the charity, that probably doesn't help. But if they aren't as familiar with it, in that case, it might make a difference. Yes, I think that's especially true as I myself have encountered, you know, checkout charity solicitations for, say, like a local group when I'm checking out at the grocery store and I'm unaware of what that group does. There, I could definitely see an impact of information potentially. Um, so I would love to run another experiment, but you know, use different charities and choose more well-known versus lesser known and see if the, the information has differential impacts. And you mentioned uh, what I thought was a kind of a cool phrase was the, the loose change effects in your study. Can you explain that a little bit more and, and how that comes into effect? Yes. So we refer to loose change effects as the idea that the loose change in your pocket um, might have an impact on your donation decision. So the idea is that if you can get rid of change by donating, um, people might be more likely to donate. And we do find some pretty strong evidence for that. Our main comparison is when we look at the rounding treatment, every single person asked to round their don that you know their request is going to have no change, right? The whole idea is you're rounding up to a whole number. And so what we do is we compare the same amounts in the fixed request treatment where they're just asked that same binary question, but they're not necessarily going to have less change. So we compare people who have more change by donating and people who have less change. And what we find is that for those who are going to have less change by donating, just like the rounding treatment, the donation rates are exactly the same. They're right around 80%. And if you were going to have more change by donating, i.e. you're going to have you know, more weight in your pocket, the donation rate fell to about 31%. So there's some pretty large differences there. We also found some evidence in the open-ended treatment where a majority of people chose to give themselves less change through their donation amount. Um, some people gave themselves the same amount of change, but absolutely no one gave themselves more change. Interesting. Um, and I'll, I'll mention this in the story notes in, in uh, online so people can see it, but since we're audio, can we review the donation amounts and the do donation rates just in terms of ranking, which goes best, rounded, open-ended, or fixed? Yes. So as far as the donation rates are concerned, the rounding definitely had the highest participation rate. The next highest was the fixed request. So it's still a binary question. It's just the amount wasn't conditional on any sort of purchase or income. Next highest within, and the, really the lowest was the open-ended. What we found out mm -hmm. was the difference between the rounding and the fixed request was purely driven 
by loose change of X. Right. And can you rank those three by average donations or, or revenue raised? Yes. The open-ended had the highest average donations followed by the fixed request, um, which makes sense because we asked higher amounts. And then the rounding was the lowest, but it had the most limitation on the amount. So we only asked a maximum of 75 cents there. Whereas with the fixed request, we asked um, up to $3. So you can see potentially why the amount uh, donated or the average donation would be different. Mm -hmm. And how, uh, can you talk a little bit about how big a spread or how big a difference there was between the three? Was it, was it significant or was it, um, were they all relatively close? So the open-ended was almost double in terms of the average revenue generated per person. It was somewhere around 82, 82 cents. Um, whereas the average donation in the fixed requests and rounding requests are closer to 40 cents. And how about the participation rate? Was there a big difference between three? <laughs> yes, flip that. But <laughs> so the rounding treatment was around 80% and the open-ended treatment was the lowest at about 40%. Huh. So almost double. So if you want to get um, more donors, you go with the rounded effect. But if you want to get more money, you go with the open option. Potentially, yes. Potentially, um, potentially. In this case, that that definitely was was the right option, conditional on the amounts we were asking. So what we found is that people were willing to donate more than a dollar. And so when you're asking the rounding question, yes, you're getting way more people, a lot more people to donate, but you're limiting how much they can donate. Mm-hmm. So less than a dollar. And so that's why you're going to have lower revenue generated from that particular treatment. Whereas in the open-ended, if I was willing to donate $1.50, I could donate $1.50. So what I would actually suggest for um, charities and practitioners is to potentially offer that rounding treatment. And then maybe they could input another amount if they wanted to give more. For example, if I was asked to give 25 cents, maybe I want to give a dollar 25, then I could put that donation that I wanted in. Yeah, and plus that's a percentage-wise a hugely bigger bigger donation than than uh, the initial rounding ask. Exactly, and there there are some places I've encountered where they round um, not to the next dollar, but maybe the next five dollar increment. So going from like forty three fifty up to forty five dollars, and so you could test larger rounding effects as well. And I wonder how much of an impact or effect it has in this particular case where it's a donation. I'm, I'm assuming it's a donation that the donor doesn't have to provide um, donor information. It's just a pretty simple rounding up or making a donation, but they're not, the charity isn't getting that donor information to continue the relationship. Exactly. It's, it's usually in an anonymous setting. You cited a few different other studies over the years about point of sale donation campaigns. What was different in your study that you think found new insights or, or built off of previous studies or papers? So one of the novel things that we studied was we were actually testing differences in the solicitation. So how we framed it and the amount asked in combination. So no one, for example, had looked at rounding um, versus, for example, an open-ended ask. There were a lot of studies looking at information provided, um, imagery provided, and whether or not participants had the option to say there was an online one where you know you could click past 
potentially the donation question. And so what we really offered here is some rigorous testing of the methodology in the type of question asked. And that was something that was novel. What would be your main two to three takeaways if you're talking to a charity based off of this paper, what they should be considering or, or even doing off of this? Yes. So if you're a charity that is engaging in this type of point of sale donation campaign, um, one thing I would communicate is that clearly the solicitation type matters. We see some really drastic effects here, but keep in mind that this is a you know one laboratory experiment and that things could differ slightly in magnitude in the field setting and especially across different um, points of sale and different charitable campaigns. But the idea here is that experimenting with those is probably very important to establishing your goals, whether that's increasing the number of participants and trying to get higher donation rates or increasing your revenue stream. One of the novel findings of this paper, I think, is the loose change effects and the clear role that it has in boosting those donation rates. And so I think charities could work to take advantage of that by implementing some sort of rounding mechanism or making that fixed request some function of their, the amount of change that they would receive. Yeah, I think most any fundraiser will tell you the same thing as far as you say, you use the word experiment, but I always hear fundraisers saying testing, you know, A-B testing yes. and, and, and refining that. That's certainly certainly one way to go because with the three options, I'm certain, I'm certain that they'd get different responses and reactions on that. Adrian, thanks so much for your time. This is a really fascinating um, topic. I'm glad we were able to make some time to, to talk about it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I, was, I, I love to talk about it. And um, hopefully there'll be a lot of more research on this area soon. That's our episode for today. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share the Fresh Research link on Twitter or Facebook to be eligible to win something from the NPT Library. You can also share on social media with the hashtag FreshResearch. And if you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been Fresh Research, a podcast from the nonprofit Times, spotlighting research and trends in the philanthropic sector. Till next time, keep up with us at thenonprofittimes.com for all your nonprofit news.